The content of CPR Unplugged is designed for entertainment purposes only and is not intended as mental health treatment or medical or mental health advice. Details such as names and locations may have been changed to protect individual privacy. Hello and welcome to CPR Unplugged. This is your host, Jess, and today I am joined by Christine. Hi, Christine. Hello. Welcome. We're glad to have you here. I'm glad to be here. And Christine's going to be sharing her story with us today. So I am going to hand it off to you and you can start your story wherever you like. Okay. Uh, Well, it's probably easiest to start it when I was younger. Um, I have a lot of health issues that started when I was six. I was coming out of a tumbling pass and it was like a double back handspring, double round off kind of thing. Like in a gymnastics. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when I went to land the second round off, my hands didn't plant quite right and my foot hit the floor with my toes pointing down. So I ended up damaging it pretty well I didn't know at the time I I was a gymnast so I was like I'm fine (laughs) (laughs) walk it off (laughs) I'll I'll be fine it's just a sprain I swear I'll just wrap it but it wasn't just a sprain and uh, so it ended up triggering juvenile rheumatoid arthritis to start but we didn't know about it until I was 12 because when I was 12 I developed a bunion on my foot which is very odd for a 12 year old so when they started doing the procedures and they started running tests, they were like, oh, well, there's a little bit more complicated things going on here. It's not just a bunion. And so that was when I started having, you know, a different experience in life than other people. Because, you know, a lot of 12-year-old middle school people, they're worried about going into high school and stuff. And I was worried about, you know, when was my body going to start? really breaking down because at in the, at that time they didn't have biologic medications so these days I'm on medicine that slows my immune system down so it doesn't hurt me so much and I'm in a lot less pain and I'm a lot more comfortable and I'll live a lot longer is that what you mean by biologic yeah okay and but when I was 12 they didn't have biologic medications they just had painkillers and so it was steroids and Tylenol in increasingly larger doses and that was kind of going to be my lot until I needed to go into a hospital and then pass on. <laughs> oh, wow. Living out this future in your head already. Yeah. Well, because there, there weren't a whole lot of options. And, you know, it's, it's no good to sugarcoat something like that. So by the time I was 14, I knew that my, well, I, at the time, my life expectancy was going to be around 50. And that, you know, that's a lot to deal with when you're also trying to deal with like being a teenager and growing up and trying to have friends and a life, but a a slightly different life than other people were having. Like, you know, I never did PE or anything like that because the doctors didn't want me breaking anything else. (laughs) So that, you know, I had a choice when that came up because, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot to take in and I realized then that I had one, well, I had several options, but the really option that I went with was that I can control myself. I can't control what my body's doing. I can't control what the world is doing, but I can control how I react to it. I got to ask, were you just like an incredibly enlightened child and you came to this right away or was this something you had to work up to? Um, it was actually, and and you know, it's, it's kind of weird. It, there was a another girl that I went to school with and she had some physical issues, but 
she was very angry about them. And I, I knew her before I knew what was going on with me. And so when I found out that there was something up with me, I thought to myself, I don't want to be negative and angry. She, you know, she was always very like grumpy about it. And, you know, it made her short tempered. And that's not how I wanted to be. I mean, if I if I was going to have a short existence, I wanted it to be memorable. <laughs> so I wanted people to remember like as good a version of me as they possibly could for as long as they could. So, you know, anytime life decided to crop something else up, then I just kept telling myself, I'm in control of myself at least. And that was, that's kind of been my driving force because when I was 20, they, that was when they started the, cause it's not just the juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, it's actually multiple autoimmune syndrome. So when I was 20, I was working in technical support and I was getting these terrible migraines. And that was when I learned that you can get arthritis in your eyes. So it had spread into my eyes and I wasn't able to do technical work anymore because eight hours a day looking at the screen was making my left eye kind of lock in place. And then I had to do like steroid drops. It was terribly uncomfortable. <laughs> I cannot even imagine. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I did waitressing for a few, like for two years while I was waiting for my disability to go through. Because when I started having iritis, I was like, well, I guess I can't be a normal workforce person. So I started doing the applications for disability. And then that went through. And uh, when I was 25... I got diagnosed with lupus, and when I was 36, Crohn's. So when you say the, and I'm sorry, I'm probably not going to say this right. Autoimmune syndrome. Okay, so it's these multiple conditions, but they're all affecting some um, part of your autoimmune system. Yeah, well, they, they come from the autoimmune system. So my, my autoimmune system thinks I'm the enemy, and so it wants to attack my body. So it causes swelling in the joints, deterioration of the cartilage. Uh, when the lupus gets active, like my skin gets really like red and puffy. And it's like, it makes everything feel very brittle and sore. <laughs> but yeah, and, the, and then the Crohn's is, you know, organs. Like it's my, my immune system attacks all of the good bacteria and stuff. And then I have trouble processing food and Eating is important. You know, you, you need to eat. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's, uh, and, you know, they, I've known for a long time that it, because more than one cropped up, that probably it was just going to throughout my life be a normal thing that I was going to have to get used to. And uh, a few weeks ago, they've started running tests to see if either I've got a valley fever crop up because I got valley fever three years ago. So they wonder if maybe it's active again inside of me or if I've developed MS, <laughs> which is another autoimmune malfunction. So it's just, I, and again, this is the thing where I'm the, I, the only thing I have control over is me. So I like to think of it as uh, autoimmune bingo. <laughs> <laughs> and so every time another one of them crops up in my mind, I just put a little stamp on my autoimmune bingo card. And the the thought of that makes me smile. And then it makes me not so, like, stressed or worried or 
upset or angry about what my body is doing, which is not cooperating. <laughs> you definitely have this just bright sense of humor. And I'm sure that definitely helps you out. Are there times where it gets kind of heavy for you? It does. And you know, that's, that's kind of the thing, because as, as positive as I am on the outside, because everyone's like, oh, you're so happy. You're so great. I'm still human and I'm still real. And so I, I able to see that the situation I'm in is a little unfair, a little, I got the, I got the raw end of the genetic deal. That's for sure. And, you know, so there are times where I get up in the morning and I, I get to, to go out of bed and my arms don't want to work or my ankle is really painful. And it's, you know, there are times where I just want to swear a lot and like break something. <laughs> but in those times, you know, you've got to, and it's not easy, but you, I, I in my mind, I hold myself still. And I think about maybe tomorrow, because if it gets to be too, too painful in the, in the moment, then I focus on a moment that's not this moment so that I can think that perhaps it's going to not be so sharp and tender in the, the afternoon. You know, maybe the clouds will lift and the weather will make me feel better. <laughs> but there are times where it hurts and I'm tired and my eyes, because the, the iritis still crops up even without looking at computer screens. And so, you know, some days my eye hurts, so my head hurts. And, and I, you know, I want to be cranky. But then I think to myself, what's that going to do? Then I'll be in a lot of pain and in a bad mood. And so I would rather be in a lot of pain and in a good mood, <laughs> which is... It seems like it's not an easy task to accomplish, and it's not, <laughs> but it is able to be accomplished. But it, it, it did take a number of years of practice. I mean, I'm not, you know, definitely 14 through 17, there were some, a little bit of like rough adjustment times where I did want to kind of stomp my feet and like have a tantrum and be like, this isn't fair. But as much as you want to fight and have a tantrum about how unfair it is, it's not going to make it any less fair. Like, you know, it's not going to change what it is. So I, that was, that's always kind of my driving force is anytime it gets too hard for me. And I think, Oh, I just want to be mad. And I just want to be upset at everything that's happened to me. Then I stop and I think, well, what's that going to do? Well, it's going to leave me feeling like sour on the inside and I didn't want to be sour on the inside. I, I, you know, even with the biologics, I don't have a guarantee on how long I'm going to be here. And that's, you know, it's something I deal with every day. And especially with, you know, the, the MS thing, like that's if, you know, luckily because of all of my other autoimmune malfunctions, I get blood work done a lot. So they are able to catch things very quickly when they do crop up. So it's not like, you know, if it is MS that I'll have years of deterioration, they'll be able to adjust my biologics and slow it down pretty, hopefully well. <laughs> and then I'll be able to just continue my quality of life and just keep trying to do what I do. It's, uh, I think the hardest part of it is when I have physical changes because, you know, I've, 
I did a lot of knitting, a lot of crocheting, a lot of baking and craft work. And because of the juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, my hands about three or four years ago really started drifting. And like when I go to make a high five, my fingers won't straighten out and it's, it's painful and it's awkward. And I had to learn how to do buttons again and zippers and how to open like even like sandwich bags because I needed to figure out where to grip and how to hold and having to relearn that is very frustrating. <laughs> it was a three years ago was a very frustrating time for me. It was also a little bit uh, harrowing. I, I I was I had a cardiac arrest. <laughs> So there, I, I, thought I, I thought I was having a Crohn's flare-up. So I went to the emergency room, thankfully, and they were getting ready to push through some Zofran to make my stomach feel better. And I got up to go into a wheelchair so they could take me to the recliner lounge. And uh, yeah, my heart stopped. Did you fully code? Yeah. And uh, I, you know, it was... I, Afterwards, I you know I, I'm a statistic person. I like to look at numbers, so I, I looked into that and I was like, "Wow, I was in the most survivable moment. Like, if that had happened anywhere else, my survivable rate would like the percentage of me coming out of it okay, very small. <laughs> so, it was lucky that I had started having like some Crohnsy type feelings and it, and went to the hospital. So, but it you know it it was kind of partially due to a lot of stress that was going on. You know, I had some trouble with my husband at the time. <clears throat> He's still my husband. <laughs> but we were having trouble at, at the time. And, you know, my hands were changing. And and it, it's a lot of stress to deal with. And so even with breathing exercises and meditation, my body just had a moment where it was like, no, maybe I want to quit. <laughs> but I'm not a quitter. <laughs> That is, that's one thing that, that I, I tell myself every day is that I will not give up. I will not quit. And I am okay. Which, that I am okay is a mantra that I say, like, if I'm going up the stairs and my knees hurt a bit. And that was kind of weird because when I had the cardiac arrest and they were doing the compressions and everything, they were getting ready to defib me and they were going to do an intubation. And when they opened my jaw, it hurt technically like my nerve endings were still kind of active and they recognized that there was pain when they opened my jaw so it kind of internally shocked me so they didn't have to defib me because when they went to go intubate me I just shot upright and I just started saying I'm okay I'm okay I'm okay I'm okay and they're like what is she doing she's not okay <laughs> so they laid me back down and then they you know when I came to they're all like what were you doing? And I'm like, oh, that's like my internal mantra for when things get hard and I want to get past them. And they're like, oh, well, it worked. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is, that's amazing. Do you, do you remember that happening? Um, I, I remember a few moments, like I remember the icy chill of exiting. And I remember uh, the next thing I remember was my mom was there and she was holding my hand and she was like, are you back? And I'm like, where did I go? <laughs> and she's like, well, you coded. It was a full cardiac arrest. She's a nurse, has been for 30 years. So medical terminology is not a stranger. And I'm actually pretty lucky that she decided to be a nurse because with 
my complications, if I have surgeries or something comes up, I have this extra family resource that's just sort of there as a support system who kind of already knows medical jargon and procedures. And, you know, if I need an MRI or a CT, like she knows all of that. And so it's good to have my nurse mom. <laughs> And and I, I was told by the nurses that she was cool as a cucumber. Like, she she told me when I got home that she'd put herself into just autopilot mode. So I guess I inherited it from her. <laughs> She's all like, I just, I slammed into nurse mode. And I was all like, we got to save this person. And then afterwards, I let it sink in that it was my daughter. But when life does that to you, I mean, you know, what am I going to do? I can't make my hands go back to normal. They're not going to do that. They're going to do a number of surgeries to try to make it as normal as possible. But, you know, in the meantime, am I just going to sit on the couch and watch TV all day because my hands hurt? Or am I going to decide that, no, I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend 20 minutes with this Ziploc bag and figure out which two of my fingers pinch together enough to get the grip to pull the bag open. And it's frustrating during the 20 minutes that it takes me to get that bag. But then when it pops open and I didn't have to ask for help and I did it for me, it's empowering and it helps keep me going that, you know, it is a struggle, but the struggle is part of what makes you keep wanting to be here. So I do struggle a lot but I, I don't let it get me, or at least I try my best to not let it get me. <laughs> well, like you said, we're all human, right? We are all human, and there are times definitely where I'm a little more human than, than normal. Like, yeah, a few weeks back when they said maybe it's MS, I went and I was sitting with my husband, and I said to him, and, you know, it's 95% of the time I've got this. 95% of the time, I can see the joke or the silver lining. But there's 5% of the time where my positive attitude and every thought I have isn't enough. And you have to allow yourself to have that 5%. I mean, I've, I'd run myself straight into the ground if I thought that I had to be perfect all the time. So I do let myself, you know be effect like I, I let myself be sad about things <clears throat> but I don't I don't let it stay and I, I try to not let it linger and I I I think the most important part though is recognizing when you're in that five percent and allowing yourself to be in the five percent because you don't have to be 95 percent awesome all the time sometimes you can be five percent crappy <laughs> and so that's you know it, and that's just one of the reasons that mental health is so important for me in my life is if I didn't have a positive outlook or I didn't have like a healthy way to deal with changes that come up that are unexpected, because that's basically my life is going to just be a number of unexpected changes. So how you deal with that really, you know, if I didn't have good mental health, I don't think that I could overcome half of the things that I do every day and I mean that even means like getting out of my car and coming up the stairs <laughs> uh, 
I, when I come up to it, like an office building and it has a heavy door, you know, there's, there's pain in everything I do. And so what can I do with that? Nothing other than look at it the best way possible. And the best way to look at it is on the days when, you know, my hands don't want to work. Well, my knees are okay, you know. <laughs> and so if, if my hands aren't great, then maybe I have some nephews and they're getting older. So I have them come over and then I have them help me in the kitchen. So they become my hands. And for them, it's a really fun experience because we bake cookies or we make bread and I teach them about like yeast and leavening and all that good stuff. And so they get a good experience with their auntie and they have a lot of fun. And I get to forget that I'm having a lot of pain that day because I'm distracted in the kitchen with my nephews doing awesome things. And they help me make the bread. So it's okay that my hands don't work that day. I find other ways to do it. <laughs> it sounds like you're just the embodiment of adapt and overcome. It's, it, it kind of is. And, you know, I, I, in, in the Hindu faith, they've got Ganesha, the elephant god. And I started reading about him when I was, you know, in my early 20s. And that kind of gave me a little that was sort of like the nugget of inspiration to like keep going and and always overcome because his whole representation is to overcome obstacles like you know he needed to write down the history of of you know hinduism and so he broke off his tooth because he needed a pen right then and it's you know whatever life hands to him he overcomes and so I, I don't go through the world thinking that it's all sunshines and rainbows, but I do go through the world confident that when it gives me something not good to deal with, that I'm strong enough to get past it. And feeling mentally strong helps me when I'm not feeling physically strong. Do you ever have interactions with people who don't quite understand? Um, I do often. And it's a lot of times it happens in the stores with strangers. And that's, that's a little weird. Um, now that I, it's showing a little more physically, especially with my hands, it, it's happening less than it used to. But I use them, the scooters to get around the grocery store because my legs do not want to walk up and down the aisles that long. But when people see me on the scooter, they don't see why I'm on the scooter. They don't see a disabled person. So they think I'm on there because I just wanted to be on there. And I've had looks, I've had comments. And, you know, I, that one is, I think, one of the harder things is is when somebody's all like, you know, that's for people who need it. And I'm like, oh, you mean me? <laughs> Is it, you know, if I when I park in the handicap spots and then I go to get out of my car, if you know, like I've had a woman in the parking lot like yell across the way that I wasn't supposed to park there, and so I got in the car and I waved my placard and I was all like, Nope, I'm totally so totally supposed to be here. And then I put the placard back in my car and went on my way. And you know, I think I the hardest part of all of that though is when I'm with a family member like my brother or my mom. Because for me, I kind of go waters, water off a duck's back where I just, you know, I know it's going to happen. I know what they're thinking. But, you know, 
I know what's I know my truth. <laughs> I know I need this and they can be as bitter or weird as they want to about it and and that's you know let them have that bit of like anger. I don't need it. But for you know sometimes we get home and my mom's like, "Oh, there was a woman at the store and she just looked at you and I just wanted to say, mind your own business." <laughs> So I, you know, if, if I could change anything, it would be that it not affect my family so much when other people are giving me a little bit of grief over what I'm doing out in public. Well, and I got to be honest, sitting here, I'm, I had the thought of, I want to change those other people. Like, what should we tell people so they don't do this? And, but I, I absolutely love your responses. Again, going back to that, I have control over me. Like, let them have their moment. It doesn't, I don't have to own that. Well, because, you know, am I, because I could get like, I need to be here. But then that makes me feel like it puts some bitterness in me and I don't need bitterness. So I just, you know, I think to them, I'm like, oh, I, I laugh. And I think it's weird that you are so interested in what I'm doing that you had to like stop your day to get grumpy at what's going on in my day. <laughs> I actually, it was... Children, though, I like kids, though, because when kids see me in the cart, they, they're excited by it. I actually had a girl run up to me one day. I was at this grocery store, and I'm coming down the deli aisle, and she was with her I, one or her parents, and she comes running over, and she goes, are you handicapped? <laughs> you got to love kids. And her the look on her parents' face was like they were mortified for a minute because they were worried that, you know, because when you run up and say that to someone, you never know what the response is going to be. But I just smiled as big as I could, and I said, I sure am. That's why I need this cart. But, you know. That's another positivity, though, is I I could look at it that I need the cart because I can't walk around the store, or I get to ride the beep beep cart and feel like I'm doing Mario Kart racing for a little while inside the fries. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 you know, at first I, you know, when I had to start using the carts, I, I thought, mm, I'm going to be one of those people. But then I thought, no, I like racing too much. <laughs> So whenever I use them, I like to think that I'm racing. I know you mentioned mom and your husband and you have some really good social support. Um, and you also talked about meditation and reframing your mind. What are some other skills or, or coping methods you've developed over the years? Well, mantras are definitely good in meditation, like the I'm okay. And, you know, it's just something really short, like especially if it's like a where your brain wants to run out of control and 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 be a little bit unwired then having something to focus it is really good i probably should mention i it's you know i'm never sure what they call it these days they used to call it asperger's but now they call it being on the spectrum like a high functioning autism i you know nobody ever tells me like i, I never get anything in the mail asking me like what they're going to call me anymore. I just one day wake up and they call me something different. Like they don't call it JRA anymore. They, they just call it like RA with like autoimmune sensitivities or, but it, so JRA changed its name a couple of times. So it's, you know, I never know what to call myself, but my brain wants to kind of go off the rails a lot because it's, I'm thinking very fast and that's, sort of where the mantras developed was if I'm saying something over and over in my mind, it calms, like it's, it keeps me on the tracks. 
Like, so if, so I don't derail because the I'm okay train is there. And so it can pick up thoughts as it's going, but the I'm okay, like even as I'm sitting here right now, I'm thinking I'm okay, I'm okay while I'm talking to you. And that's helping me stay grounded and a little bit centered. Is there anything that um, we didn't discuss today that you'd like to share? Mainly that life is hard for everybody. One of the things that was very hard for my mother was that she would always, you know, she'd be like, well, my, my knee hurts today. Oh, but I mean, I don't mean to complain about it around you. And so one of the things that I'm always doing for family and friends and something that's very important for anyone who has people with medical complications is, you know, your pain is still painful. Like, it doesn't matter that I'm in pain all the time. It doesn't negate or lessen the pain that you're in. Like, my pain card doesn't trump your pain card. It's all painful, and it's all, like, not good. <laughs> but definitely, um, it's, you know, so getting people to understand and learn that, like, even though I'm in pain, that's okay. And it's, you know... If you're having a bad day, don't keep your bad day from me just because you think maybe I can't handle it because I'm sore or I didn't sleep well last night or I've got like three doctor's appointments. And so it's the most important part about being around someone with complications is to, you know, they're trying to remember that they're human and it helps if you remember that they're human too. And they're just as human as you are. So when you're having a bad day, I want to hear about it. Because, you know, I can't run a mile, but I can be a good ear. And so I like to be a good ear for friends and family. And, you know, that's, you know, so that they, you know, they help me physically. And then I help them mentally. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your story with us. Oh, oh thanks. I hope it was helpful. Got questions or ideas for the podcast? Or perhaps you have your own story to share. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at crisisprepandrecovery.com or call 602-281-7795. You can also find us online at cprpodcast.podbean.com or wherever you prefer to find your podcasts. CPR Unplugged was produced by Crisis Preparation and Recovery, Inc., the intro and outro music was created by Rob Wilson. Research and editing for this episode was done by the CPR podcast team, Tamara Lamontagne, Ben Edwards, Laura Kaufman, and Rob Wilson. Special thanks to Jason Spisak for technical support.